0: 85% of adults say they regularly experience stress, with half recognising that they are too stressed. We need to talk about anxiety. This autumn, we'll be looking at some of the different forms of anxiety and the issues that can be on our minds. Jesus had a lot to say about our mental well-being, and we believe his gospel is the very best solution to dealing with anxiety.
1: I knew lots of people that... Friend, you know, friends or par- friends of par- uh, parents friends that um, had depression, and my view was just get over it just deal with it Like, come on, you know, you're just being sad you know do something and you get over it mm-hmm. and um, and the funny thing is i've ended up working in mental health um, and i'm not quite sure why but recently i've I've been struggling with depression i've um, isolated myself, so really strange for me would be you know i've turned off i turned off the other week, phones, social media, um, and just hid away in my room. Um, I hid away from my family, my friends. I was tired, I, was, I wasn't exercising, I, and I was depressed. And I, and I still am carrying that feeling there, definitely. Um, but it's been really hard to, to say that yeah. um, for me.
0: What kind of gave you the strength to sort of be able to come to terms with saying that?
1: Um, I don't know if I f- I'm fully coming to terms with saying that at the moment. Um, which sounds really silly because because I work in it every day and I deal with it every day and I sit with people that have spent a lifetime feeling depressed or on medication or receiving treatment. Um, and I'm still trug- struggling with that in terms of what it means for me, um, my family, um, and how and how I, ca- I work through that with people because I'm being fairly I, like self-reliant, I think. Um, and that's, there's a real danger um, in that.
2: Hey everyone, my my name is Toby Ford-Weston. I'm one of the leaders here at Emmanuel. Uh, So good to see you. Um, We are continuing on in our On Your Mind series, um, looking at anxiety. Um, uh, Recently, we've we've looked at uh, body image on your mind, mental health on your mind, sex on your mind, suicide on your mind. And last week, uh, we looked at Brexit on your mind, Uh, Today, we are looking at the number one mental health issue in the world, and that is the issue of depression, of depression. Uh, I say it's the number one mental health issue in the world because over 300 million people in the world uh, say that they suffer from it. Uh, Drilling down closer to home within the UK, um, one in five people say that they have suffered with depression or anxiety. Uh, When you look at the statistics in relation to the number of prescriptions for antidepressants, in 1991, there were 9 million prescriptions. In 2012, there were 47 million prescriptions. In 2016, there were 64 million prescriptions. And those figures are on the rise. Uh, Closer to home in, in Brighton, our our great city, a city known for being uh, a joyous city, uh, a city known for being very free-spirited. When we look at the statistics um, on depression, um, it makes for interesting reading. Uh, When we look at uh, the number of patients reporting depression across the UK, that figure was 12.4%. In Brighton, that number is 15.5% above the national average. When we look at, and drill down further, and look at the numbers that are on a GP register for depression, across the UK, 7.3%. In Brighton, it's 8.6%. Again, uh, above the the national average. There are seven types of depression. Uh, There are more, but the major types of depression are atypical depression, major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, bipolar depression, postpartum depression, premenstrual dysphoric disorder and seasonal affectiveness disorder. The Bible actually has actually a, a lot to say about depression although it doesn't so much use those terms that we have sort of come to know uh, medically, but depression is actually one of the Bible's major themes. Therefore, if you are struggling with depression or going through a dark season, this book really is your friend. And one of the places that we see this clearest, certainly over and over and over again, is in the book of the Psalms. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at Psalm 42 and looking at what it has to say to us in relation to depression. The Psalmist is going through a major depressive episode And uh, again, while he doesn't use the the terminology, he, he describes depression in two ways, in terms of a drought and in terms of drowning. And I wonder if as we read through that, you'll be able to identify those themes. But we're going to read the Psalm together. It should come up on the screens. It's Psalm 42 by the sons of Korah.
0: Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you O god my soul thirsts for god for the living god when shall i come and appear before god my tears have been my food day and night and while they say to me all along, where is your god these things i will remember as i pour out my soul how i would go through the throng and lead them in procession to the house of god with glad shouts and songs of praise a multitude keeping festival Why are you so downcast on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Nizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God.
2: Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your son Jesus. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would see the light of the world even from a place of darkness. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd be powerfully amongst us and bring about light and freedom in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, what we've uh, just read is a, a psalm and Uh, The the, the word psalm literally means song. Uh, So the book of psalms is actually a collection of 150 songs right in the heart of the Bible, in the center of the Bible. Uh, And traditionally, the way the psalms would have been kind of used is in corporate worship, Uh, just as we sung earlier a couple of songs. So to uh, the people in the time of Jesus and before uh, would have sung literally sung the psalms as worship to God. Whole psalms, line by line. That, that was what would have been uh, very, very common. Very common. But what is unusual about this psalm is that there are some verses that are a bit unusual. I don't know if you noticed some of the verses that we read that you might think, hang on a second, that's supposed to be sung in, in worship to God? Uh, for example, in verse 10 it says this, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? This is meant to be sung in corporate worship. Another translation says this Like the crushing of my bones, my enemies taunt me. Let's be honest, this is no once in Royal David City. <laughs> This is strange. This is strange. It's not it's not very encouraging, it would seem. Uh, the reality is um, so often uh, here we, we have prayer meetings. We have one on a uh, on this Wednesday coming at 7:30 in this very room. And at our prayer meetings, we come and we 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 pray and we we sing to Jesus, we we sing to God. But if you were to um, at the prayer, well, one of my favourite things within the prayer meeting is when someone from the congregation just kind of spontaneously starts a song, and the rest of the congregation sort of join in, and it's just it's a beautiful moment. But if at the prayer meeting uh, this uh, Wednesday you were to start the song like the crushing of my bones, <laughs> I said the crushing. <laughs> Yes, the crushing of my bones. My enemies, hallelujah, my enemies taunt me. I'm not going to come with you. I'm not going to sing along. I don't think anyone here would. It's not very encouraging. I'm going to be a father, God willing, in January. And if my son, when he's a bit older, um, walked around our house and as a lullaby said... uh, Daddy, like the crushing of my bones, my enemies taunt me. I think I call the police. (laughs) That's the reality. It doesn't seem very encouraging, but the truth is, it is so encouraging. I'm so glad verses like this are in the Bible, and many of them too. Because this, this psalmist is going through a severe, depressive episode. He describes it again in two ways. He describes it as drought. As drought. There's a, there's a lack. Perhaps you um, know someone um, that has gone through depression or is going through depression. Perhaps you've said, What does it feel like? Tell me about what's going on. Uh, perhaps they would have said, It's just, I just want to feel. I just want to feel something. want to feel. It's a drought, it's a lack. Our psalmist says this, he said, my soul thirsts. It's a drought to lack. But it's not only in terms of a, a drought he describes the feel of depression. He, he also describes it as, as drowning. Uh, drowning in sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. That's what the experience can feel like. Our our psalmist puts it like this in verse seven. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. He feels like like God has left him. But there's a question that would be right to ask. Hang on a second. I thought if you became a Christian that you were supposed to be really joyful and happy, right? You put your faith in Jesus, and then all of a sudden, kind of like, on your bad day, it's supposed to be kind of maybe an 8 out of 10 on the joy scale on a bad day, but you're supposed to be really happy. That's a really important question. And let me answer it by by saying this. Uh, In this life, the Christian life is not uninterrupted, rightness there are uh, times if you believe in Jesus where you will know the shining of God's face but there are also times when you'll know the hiding of God's face you will know Jesus leads you by green pastures and by streams of water but you will also know Jesus leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. Therefore, if you're a Christian here and you struggle with depression, let me say this. It is not a slight on your faith. It's not, it's not necessarily that you are weaker or that you have done anything particularly wrong. Some of, some of the greats have struggled with depression. Depression modern-day hero of of mine, American pastor and theologian, John Piper, he struggles with depression. What's unique about his case is for the last 30 or 40 years, he has preached about the joy of God. God is most glorified in us as we are most satisfied in him. It's one of his famous phrases. He calls himself a Christian hedonist. Pursuing joy in Jesus, struggles with depression, openly. Augustine struggled with depression. Prince of Preachers, one of the all-time greats, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he struggled with depression. He had a number of health issues, but on depression, he, he said it was his, quote, worst feature. When referencing his depression, he says this, my spirits were sunken so low, that I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not what I wept for. The Christian life is not, not uninterrupted brightness, not in this life. But it seems like there was a time when it was. In the beginning, God created our first parents, Adam and Eve. He placed them in a garden, and God seemed to sort of dwell in that garden with them, and God, the Bible says, is light, and in him there is no darkness. So that garden was full of light. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, rather than choose the light, uh, they chose darkness. In Genesis chapter 3, we see they chose sin, and darkness entered the the human existence and has infected and affected all things. This darkness was was never meant to be there. And the truth is that a life that continues in this inherited trajectory of choosing the darkness over the light, over God's provision of light, Jesus Christ, only ends in more darkness. Even outer darkness. Cut off away from God's light for eternity. And an existence so severed from God and his perfect light is is hell. And therefore, this hellish darkness is something of what it's like to go through depression. It's really... Something of a sip of what it's like to be devoid of God's light-filled presence. And maybe you've had a friend or a family member that's, that's spoken in those terms. Maybe you've said to them, describe to me, what does it feel like? What are you going through? Explain it to me. They've, maybe they've said something like, it's, it's like hell. It's, it's hell, this. And the reality is, if you are supporting a friend or family member with depression, it's important to let them speak like that. It's important to give them space. Our our psalmist speaks like that. He does. He says to God, why have you forgotten me? He feels abandoned. He feels left. And, And God is so gracious. God doesn't come in and say, what are you talking about? I beg your pardon? He doesn't do that. And we, those who are supporting those with depression, would do well to, uh, to lead with listening, just as God does in his great grace. In his great grace. And uh, the reality is this darkness, that can affect us profoundly in a number of areas. And, and we're going to be very practical here. Right, so brace yourself. We're going to look at how depression can affect our bodies. First, and it should be said that there is there is something to be said for happy chemistry. And what I mean by that is that there will be some of us in this room who are naturally kind of upbeat, uh, the sort of people that if there's a fire in the bathroom, uh, I don't know why there would be a fire in the bathroom, <laughs> um, <laughs> but if there was, <laughs> um, um, you would whistle. And put it out and be like, just things just naturally, praise God for you. That's the way sort of you are. And there will be some people that are sort of the glass half empty kind of people uh, who naturally don't so much see the bright side. And and that's just, we would be naive, I think, if we didn't sort of recognize that. That's a reality of, of life. But depression is so much more than simply glass half empty. It's more profound than that. A depression can be a a chemical imbalance in the brain. It really can. And in those instances, it is important to, to seek medical attention. You know, the Bible is not against doctors or medicine. Actually, the Apostle Paul, one of the heroes of the faith, he, as he was going around planting churches, you see in the book of Acts, one of his best friends one of his travel companions around the place was a guy called Luke who wrote the book of Luke and wrote the book of Acts and his job was doctor there would have been times when Paul would have been beaten down and stoned and Luke would have been there with him to yes pray but also probably offer medical assistance to bandage his friend up go again therefore the Bible is not against that and it may be that this is God's provision for you in, in, in breaking free from the depression and the darkness. But while, while it can be that, and, and there are other contributing factors, or it may be just these factors, these very practical factors that I will list, but they are really important in terms of our mental health, and also in terms specifically of depression. Factors such as poor diet, isolation, lack of exercise, unhelpful sleep patterns, alcohol consumptions, and side effects to other medications and the bible actually speaks into basically all of those Uh, so we see in proverbs chapter 25 it talks about uh, the importance of not eating too much unhealthy food in ephesians 5 it talks about not getting drunk with wine 1 timothy chapter 4 talks about physical exercise having some value Psalm chapter five, verse three says this in relation to sleep patterns. It says, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. This means this chap is rising early in the morning, which would imply that he's going to bed at a reasonable time. In in the very Psalm that we've read, he says uh, in verse four, in relation to isolation, and community, our psalmist says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the, with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God. The throng, the, the house of God. What's he talking about here? He's talking about this. He's talking about the people of God, the church. Our psalmist in his season of great depression says, the thing that cheered me up thing that gave me great cheer is going in a small group. It's going to church. It's going to the prayer meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. Being amongst the people of God. It was something of a lifeline for him. And uh, the reality is this, that we, you and me, all of us, we, we all need community. None of us was meant to be in isolation I mean, there are amongst us introverts and extroverts, to be sure, and those are real things, and and good, both are good, but regardless of that, we all need community. Even God himself is community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. For this psalmist, this really was a lifeline. And if you are supporting a friend or family member in depression, being community to them, bringing it to them, (laughs) may be the best way you can serve a person in this situation. Something so simple, it sounds very unspiritual, but I tell you, it's spiritual. Offering to take them for a walk, that could be another lifeline for them. Just a 15-minute just walk, getting them out of the house, practical help. That is very spiritual, and that is doing community together. I mentioned as well, uh, side effects from other medication, um, lots of combinations of medications, uh, and lots of medications will say a side effect uh, can be depression. Um, a very common one is the contraceptive pill. Um, it's a common, common symptom is, uh, is depression. And so again, if you are struggling in this way, you may want to consider that and review that as well, being very practical. But now, we, we stay with the body. But moving more to what we put into our body, I'm I'm talking about more mentally and and the battle of the mind, if you like. Uh, This is an important battleground when it comes to depression. Uh, So let me ask this. What music are you listening to? What TV programs are you watching? What books are you reading? What are you watching on Netflix? What's in your favorites? Is it dark? Because the reality is, these things may be contributing factors to depression. May even be the cause, who knows? What's your relationship like with social media? The thing with social media is, everybody puts their, <laughs> their best foot forward. And when you're looking through it and sort of scrolling down, you kind of think, wow, look at their life, look at what they're doing. And their Saturday night looks better than my Saturday night, and their family looks more polished than my family. You may not even have a family. You think, oh, I long for a family. And your relationship with that could lead to um, uh, feelings of discontentment, uh, sadness, maybe even depression. So constantly sort of putting that in our, into our minds, into our heads. What about this one? Pornography. Could it be that if by, by the grace of God you were free from pornography, could it be that depression would lift? The reality with pornography is that pornography comes with guilt and guilt leads to shame and so often shame leads to isolation and it's kind of like a vicious circle and you go more and more and more into yourself. It's fertile, festering ground for depression. Uh, the Bible is clear that when there are contributing factors that are not helpful to us, we, at times, do need to be ruthless if it's not helpful. But even this psalmist, he, he, gives, us, he gives us help for the mind. Uh, he, he speaks into this issue. He has a weapon that we read in the psalm. In Psalm 42, verse 11, it says this. He says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Our psalmist, he complains, he laments, but he also fights. And he fights in two ways. The first way is, this, he, he, he's speaking to himself. He says this, why are you cast down, oh my soul? He's speaking to himself, out loud. He's challenging the, the, the tapes of negativity that are playing over and over again in his head. He's challenging them. He's refusing to be like a, a paper bag, kind of in the wind. He's saying, no, 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 I'm going I'm to challenge this. Why are you cast down? I know too much of God. Come on, why am I cast down? It's the first way. The second way is he fights with a sword. The sword of the Spirit, the the Word of God, the the truths of this Bible. He says to himself, he says, my salvation and my God. What's he doing? He's quoting the Bible. He's saying, no, no, this is is who you are to me. No, 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 even though it doesn't feel like it. Even if it doesn't, it feels the opposite. I, I am going to say this stuff. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to proclaim it. I'm not going to believe the 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 the, 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 the things, the tapes in my mind. I'm going to tell the truth to myself. Uh, this is actually the chorus of the song. He, he says it twice, which would imply to me that this is something that we we would do well to do on a regular basis, whether it's in prayer or however you choose to do it, but to to, to get the word of God in us and to to proclaim over ourselves. A great preacher of old, Martin Lloyd-Jones, puts it like this. He says, I mean, I can't put it better. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's antidote in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself why art thou cast down O my soul he asks his soul has been repressing him crushing him so he stands up and says self listen for a moment i will speak to you he fights this might look like taking promises from this book writing them in your phone this might look like memorizing scripture saying it out aloud over yourself again and again no 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 This is the truth. But for our psalmist in his season of deep depression, this was a great help and lifeline. And it may be through this, that this is God's provision for you to find real healing from depression in this area. But while we've looked at the the, the body and within the body, the the, the mind, what we're putting into our body, mentally, if you like, it's it's important to look at the area of the spirit as well. Uh, Because depression can be caused by uh, demonic pressure. That's a reality. How does he put it? He puts it in verse 9 in our psalm. He says, Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? The reality is that there is a God in heaven who loves you. But there's also an enemy, the devil, who, who hates you. You and me, and hates God. And while God wants to bring light through Jesus Christ into your life, the enemy wants to bring darkness. Uh, The enemy, he, he doesn't play fair. He will use discouragement, he will use abuse, he will use trauma. He will use anything that we haven't fully submitted to the light of Jesus Christ and he will try and bring about darkness. He doesn't care. Isaiah 61 verse 3 calls it the spirit of heaviness and in such cases it may be worth seeking a friend, a trusted friend and praying through for a season. Maybe once a week saying, do you mind just us praying together? maybe an experienced leader, just talking some things out in this church and, and praying things through, through, through for a season. <coughs> Romans 10 verse 13 says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The literal word is delivered. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. And it may be through this that God's provision of healing may be for you. But our psalmist in the psalm, he also gives us a spiritual uh, warfare, if you like. Spiritual tips. Uh, what has helped him in his season of great darkness. And it may seem very uh, simple, but really it's very profound. And It's the, his biggest tip, actually. Because he says it more than anything else. He says it three times in the psalm. And that is to sing to Jesus. It's to worship. And this is what he says. He says... I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. And at night his song is with me. And hope in God for I shall again praise him. What's he doing here? He's praising. He most likely does not feel like it. And of all the things that the psalmist says, this is probably, truthfully, probably the hardest thing. It is. But it might be the most beneficial thing. This psalmist knows he needs God. He understands the only true and lasting, lasting curer of depression is God himself. He says this He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams. He's like, ha, ha, he knows he needs God. Where is God? What another psalm says, he inhabits the praises of his people. You want God to <laughs> praise him and his presence will descend through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes with joy and he comes with peace. Even 15 minutes, maybe even a day, if you're in a season of depression, if you are able to press through, it may be God's way of healing you or bringing great light into your situation his provision for you but our friend the psalmist also lastly he he maintains communication with God but perhaps not in the way that you and I might think the reality is though there are moments and glimpses of great hope and faith in the psalm we read there are glimpses of real anger. Anger with, well, with God. Can you relate? Do you, do you know what it feels like to be angry with God? Maybe you're going through a season whereby you, you expected things to be different, <laughs> maybe things aren't going as you'd hoped maybe things aren't happening that you thought by now would have happened maybe things are happening that you thought never would have happened perhaps you're here and you you feel like your prayers are sort of just reaching the ceiling and if if that high maybe it just feels like god's just left you you're confused do you know what it is to be angry with god I do. The psalmist, he, he is as well. It's in scripture. He he, he articulates what so many of us fell feel. He says in verse 7, all your waves, all your waves and breakers have rolled over me. He says, I will say to my God, to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? He says, Why? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He is angry with God. I love the Bible. It's so raw and real. But let me ask this question Why does God allow this sort of talk? Why, why, why does God allow this? Not only does God allow this, think about it. He. he For thousands of years, it's been enshrined in his word. Thousands of years. And his word stands forever. So not only does God allow this, he enshrines angry prayers. Why does God allow angry prayers? Well, surely, surely it's because they are prayers. Our psalmist is disillusioned. He's discouraged. He's depressed. But he is disillusioned, discouraged, and depressed to God. What does this say about God? What does this say about how God relates to us? Surely God is saying... I am your father, even when things don't go as you thought they would. I am your father, even though you don't say things exactly as you should all the time to me. I am your father, even in the darkness, through Jesus Christ. I am your father. And you may have done all else. You may have done everything. You may have done everything in this psalm repeatedly year after year and you may still be in bed under the covers, darkness all around, not wanting to leave the house. You may have done all and still be in that position and all that's left to do is what Psalm 37 does, which is wait on the Lord. Wait on him. Lord, I'm waiting for you. Lord, I'm waiting for you. I need you. You will break through for me. You may be in that position, in bed, under the covers, darkness all around and you may you may be tempted to think I'm useless I'm pathetic I'm not offering much to God right now well the truth is you never did Jesus was the offering to God on your behalf and Jesus comes when you're in bed under the covers not wanting to leave and I tell you he stands at the foot of the bed and do you know what he does? He prays for you. Friends, we we mourn but we don't mourn as those with no hope. And Jesus would do so much more than that for us. Jesus would go to (laughs) Jesus, let me say this, one of his titles One of his titles is Man of Sorrows. And the Bible says about Jesus, he was acquainted with grief, which means he he knew grief. He understood grief. He understood the darkness. Jesus, for us, would go to the darkest place of all. He would go to the shadow of the cross, where in that place, he endured what some called the dark night of the soul. Saying, Now is my soul troubled. And this darkness that Jesus experienced, it seemed to be so intense that it kind of seems to have broken out over the land. Even affecting the, the, cosmo- the cosmos, the, 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 the sky and the, the clouds. It says in Mark 15... And there was darkness over the whole land from the sixth hour until the ninth hour. And while we can uh, sympathize and relate and be encouraged by the truths in this psalm and we are meant to, it's supposed to be for our encouragement, really, this psalm only truly makes sense coming out of the mouth of Jesus on the cross. I say to my God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? And there are some phrases in this psalm that just are so familiar Our psalmist said, my soul thirsts for God. While on the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. The psalmist says, I will say to my God, why have you forgotten me? As Jesus says from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? as he was being crucified for sins that were not his, but ours, so that we might be forgiven, God left him. Jesus was delivered into darkness, so that through faith, we would be delivered out of it. Jesus' head was anointed with blood, and he drank the cup of God's wrath, so that our heads can be anointed with oil and our cup overflows. And Jesus didn't stay dead. No, no, no. He didn't stay in that dark, dark tomb. No, he burst forth in resurrection life, in light, king of glory. And through faith in him, we can know joy unspeakable and full of glory. The psalmist says this. He talks about himself being something of a worship leader, leading the throng in the procession in the house of God. No truer words could have been written about Jesus who one day will be in the midst of the throng. He will lead worship that day. Lead the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. That's Jesus' privilege to lead those who believe in him into the house of God where there will be no more mourning. There will be no more tears. The former things have passed away. He makes all things new. God will be in the center. That's Jesus' great privilege. Surely, surely, Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows on the cross. Jesus is able to turn mourning into dancing. And surely Jesus meant it when he said in John 12, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness now and forever. If the bank can join me, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that he, he went to a place darker than we could ever dream of going. He went to the cross so that we can be forgiven and know the light of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so big that there are numerous ways that you can heal us in our seasons of darkness and depression. You're not limited and we're not to prescribe to you how to heal us, but we thank you that you're able to. Lord, we thank you for your great love. We thank you that you understand and you stand by us. Lord, would we, by the power of your Holy Spirit, do what the writer of this psalm says would we now worship you whether we feel like it some of us will feel like it now and Lord some of us won't but Lord I just pray Lord that we would reach for you through this worship time and communion and would you bless us for it would there be great healing and even past this worship time would you help us journey with this content with this stuff will we see increasing levels of freedom and joy in the strong name of Jesus, amen.